Do you find yourself wondering who you are? Why are you here? Do you feel out of place? Like something inside you knows a secret? Want to tap into a power source beyond your wildest dreams? How is this possible? Well, join me every other week as we learn to be infinite AF. negativity is caused by an accumulation of psychological time and denial of the present. Unease, anxiety, tension, stress, worry, all forms of fear are caused by too much future and not enough presence. Guilt, regret, resentment, grievance, sadness, bitterness, and all forms of non-forgiveness are caused by too much past and not enough presence. Eckhart Tolle. Well, welcome, welcome. I thank you for joining me on another episode of Infinite AF. I am Amber Rue, and we are here together learning to be infinite as you know what. (laughs) So thank you for joining me. I am so glad that you're here. Please do go on to all the uh, wonderful social media outlets that we have out there, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. Go ahead and look for um, me out there at Infinite AF. On Instagram, I am Infinite AF underscore now. And give me a like, give me a follow. Let me know what you think of the show. All right, so let's get into today's topic. Today, I did want to talk about something that is very important to me and very dear to me as far as um, learning how to deal with this aspect of life. Currently going through situations in my life that are um, presenting themselves to me, which led for me to have a need to do my research and to really look inward and onward about this topic. So what am I talking about? Today, I want to talk about depression. I want to talk about depression and the spiritual self. Uh, Yes, I know a lot of times we'd have great conversations here about wonderful, uplifting things and um, how how we become this light and, and endless possibilities. And this is all wonderful stuff. And and I truly am into all of that too. And we are growing and learning and really going to manifest our life and our dreams. But sometimes in life, you know, we we do have other things that can present themselves to us. I mean, it's not always going to be on the yin. Sometimes it's going to be on the yang, right? And we have to learn to understand what these experiences with these stories, with these journeys, with these happenings are uh, trying to teach us and trying to show us. So yes, I, w- I wanted to talk about depression. And I, I, I picked Eckhart Tolle's quote because it really strikes home with the whole be here now moment. And I'm really very invested in that. That is something that I, I practice on a daily. But you know, w- let's talk about what depression is. Eckhart Tolle references it as the pain body, which basically is your old trauma. Like he says in his quote, he says the guilt, regret, resentment, grievance, all of that is caused by too much past and not enough present. So our past is bringing trauma, okay? And a lot of times it's because it's not fully had been accepted or faced when it occurred, 
Okay, so we're talking about childhood trauma, we're talking about relationship trauma, we're talking about PTSD trauma, we're talking about several different forms of trauma not fully being accepted or faced at the moment that it occurred. So that pain becomes the pain body, which then presents itself to us in an internal dialogue. And that's our self-talk. And our self-talk is usually what drives you into your depression. Eckhart Tolle talks about it as being your self-talk or your pain body. Everything that's in your dialogue is, is influencing everything, your, your emotions, your life. Everything can become totally distorted. Your thoughts, your life, everything. When that pain body takes precedent in your life. A couple of times that I can bring up where I know I hit a, a moment of depression and moment of distortion in my mind was when I, you know, I, I do have trauma. I do have childhood trauma that I work through on a daily. Um, I work through it and I acknowledge it and I give it space and I meet it. Um, <laughs> and we talk and we have tea, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, a lot of mine is, uh, I, I I'm a big fawner. And this was picked up from when I was a child. I was very young um, when my parents um, divorced or actually they never got married. My parents split up and, um, and which is great because it was a very, very toxic relationship. One of which I had to witness several horrific things through. But you know, as they uh, fell apart as a pair, they also fell apart individually and got into a lot of different things. And back then my parents were very hippies. Um, in the real sense of, you know, LSD, all of that stuff. Um, but the abuse of it, not necessarily using it to be free, but using it to actually escape. And so, yeah, my parents were definitely big into drugs and they were very, unfortunately, very misguided by a lot of, uh, what they were doing. And anyway, so I've, I've had moments from my childhood where I was, I was, a little child still feeling so afraid for them and feeling like I had to help them and I had to take care of them because if I didn't take care of them, they couldn't take care of themselves. And so, yeah, that led to, unfortunately, a lot of times of my mom ODing and me just holding her, hoping that she comes back to consciousness. You know, a lot of different things like that uh, happened during my childhood where I just felt like, hmm, if I'm not here, something bad's going to happen. So I have to take charge. Um, same thing with my father. There were some really dark moments in his life and that he brought me into and we experienced together. And as a small child, I was like, I can't tell anybody. I can't tell his parents, which were my grandparents, because, you know, he's going to feel so ashamed or feel so sad and he'll never be able to live with himself. I'm stronger. I understand that this is a mental illness, so I'll take it on. So anyways, that's the background of my childhood trauma. Since learned that, of course, that's, that's not the case. I mean, I, I, I was a child. I had every right to tell somebody something or to say, no, this is not okay for me. But I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And through therapy and all that, you know, I've forgiven them and all that. But, um, the thing is, I still carry around that trauma because at the time I didn't face it. I didn't know to face it. I didn't accept it. I just thought, no, 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 what it really is is that I'm strong and I can do this. And I've kind of took that on to the theme of my entire life. You know, I've, I, you know, a few years back recently had a melting point where I just kind of, I lost grip because I overwhelmed myself with trying to help and be responsible for too many people at, at 
the same time. And and not that helping people was what drug me down. What drug me down was not stopping and saying, here's a clear boundary. I can help you, but this is where it ends because once they pass that line, it is going to be detrimental to my emotional, physical, and mental health. I, I, I didn't do that. And so I took on all these responsibilities and I, and I, you know, my answer was yes to everyone. Can you do this? Yes. Can you come here? Yes. Can you give me that? Yes, yes, yes. And meanwhile, I was suffering because I didn't have the time or the energy, nor did I have the resources. Um, so I was expending all my resources to help others and, and it was worrying me, but I didn't let it on that it was worrying me. I just continued to help others. And then he got to a point where, you know, I finally was like, okay, this is not right. And I don't know what to do. And I got so overwhelmed that I just like completely wanted to drink every day to escape. And eventually drank enough one night and it all just came out. <laughs> I like, uh, went into a rage and I was just upset and I was just telling everyone how it was and I'm so fed up and da 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 da. And, you know, of course, all of which I have forgiven myself for doing. <laughs> and so have they, thankfully, hopefully. I don't know. They're still my friends today and my family. So maybe they still love me a little bit. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, I mean, it was insane. It was insane because again, here I was saying, you know what? I can do this. I can take charge of this. I can help these people. I can be the one that bears the pain while they help, you know, get a better life or have a better whatever it was. And so that was still my old childhood trauma. That's my pain body. And it made me sick and the stories and the everything that was in there. And I started to have resentment in certain people's faces. I was just like, oh, when I see them again, I'm going to be just, ugh, I can't even look at them because it felt like too much responsibility. But at the same time, I couldn't stand up and say, enough, here's a boundary. And it wasn't necessarily that I couldn't, it's just that I didn't know how. I hadn't learned it. I hadn't come into the awareness that I was even experiencing uh, old stories, old childhood traumas, old pain bodies. I had no idea. So again, we don't know what we don't know. I suffered from that at that time. And so that was a really interesting time for me. And that was when my pain, anxiety, depression all hit. Luckily, you know, for me, I was able to, once it all blew up, we were able to resolve and um, move forward in healing. These these lessons that I'm learning here, this adapt some of this understanding and this consciousness and this awareness of why we feel the way we do and how we feel the way we do. And, and we've talked about it in previous podcasts and our neurological responses, 95% of them are on autopilot, you know, half the time. And the, which makes a lot of sense because, I mean, this is something I picked up from when I was a kid, right? So having that type of uh, understanding that we really need to hold space for that pain body that comes in, our pain body, our old trauma, right? And we need to take each moment as it is and uh, do our best to throw away old narratives too, old narratives. I had a very old narrative that said, if this person knows how I feel, or if this, if anybody knows that this person's doing this, um, they're going to feel so sad. And it's my responsibility to make sure they don't feel sad. It's not my responsibility, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> but you know, that was the old narrative. So I had to throw that away. I had to throw it away. And learn that my thoughts were getting distorted uh, at that time by my pain body, right? So that is that is all a part of all of this. Um, you know, depression comes on, and it's it's a real thing. Ram Dass talks about depression as it being a problem with expectations, our expectations, or the model of life that we've created 
or that we were taught, we now measure everything to it, right? So, you know, uh, this happens a lot and in simpler things too. Like think about it when you go to sleep at night and you wake up and you're like, you know, I thought I would have been more rested by now. Like, why do I'm still tired when I woke up? You know, you, you, you created this idea. You had this expectation that when you woke up, you were going to feel rested. You know, first of all, who told you that? You know, there's a lot of factors that come into feeling rested when you wake up, (laughs) not just because you go to sleep. I wish it were, you know? Uh, so that's one of them or you, you wake up in the morning and it's raining and I'm like, oh man, I'm so mad about that. I thought it was going to be sunny. Like, (laughs) so your expectations done pissed you off and already made you sad before you even started your day. So your expectations in your own mind is what creates your hill. I expected it to be blah, 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 blah right? So we, we're we constantly trying to create this hell for ourselves. And I don't even know why we do it because really the present moment is what exists. The present moment, not the past, not the future, the present moment. But it's a, you know, it is definitely a uh, work. It's a trial, right? It's something that we can't just get through immediately. We have to take the time. So anxiety and depression, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't some real depression, like that real chemical imbalance. Because in fact, let's get into that. Let's get into the science of it. Um, I definitely think that anxiety and depression should both be looked at with a spiritual and medical lens, not necessarily more one than the other, because why one, one size doesn't fit all, right? So let's talk about science and depression. Research shows that the hippocampus is smaller in some people that are depressed. They have done some research, they've done some studies, and it was like 9 to 13% smaller in, in depressed women compared to those who were not depressed. And the more bouts of depression a person had, the smaller the hippocampus, which is, you know, big. It's a big deal, 9 to 13%. And stress, stress plays a major role in depression. And it it's actually can be the key factor since experts believe that stress can suppress the production of new neurons. So new nerve cells in the hippocampus. So we know that, we know that it can be genetic. We know that one size doesn't fit all when it comes to depression with medicine and therapy. I mean, like you can't just throw a bunch of Zoloft at everybody and expect everyone to react the same. It's not going to work that way. We all can't just sit and meditation and chant and it's all going to work for us. So I definitely, again, think that both should be looked at with the spiritual and medical lens. And then, you know, looking at different ways to treat our depression. Again, the stress factor is now, you know, suppressing the growth of new neurons. And there are studies that are linking that are saying that mood only approves as nerves grow and form new connections. And that process can take weeks. So even though, yes, an antidepressant can aid, um, but it can't be the only deciding factor in your wellness program. It must be coupled with a plan, right? A plan. So let's get into um, the plan of how we are going to do that. I mean, how, how, and again, it's not one size fits all, but I do want to suggest some alternatives to helping. So yes, you definitely, number one, if you you feel that, you just completely off. I mean, maybe you've been through all the, the, um, meditations. Maybe you've done the exercise. Maybe you started to eat right. Maybe you started to go running and jogging and you invested in all that. You stopped the drinking. You stopped the staying up late. Um, and you're still feeling a little, you know, not well. You're still just feeling like a little depressed. Then 
absolutely, perhaps what the best thing to do first would be to take the medical advice of, you know, uh, your local therapist or psychiatrist and see where they go from there. Um, but again, there are a couple of things that we, you know, we can, can do as far as the mental health state when you're not taking medications or when you're waiting for medications or why while you're on medications. And that's number one. I think it's most important to find what triggers you. Figure out what is it that's triggering you. You know, as for me, I knew during my situation what had triggered me was the constant need of someone, like someone coming to me with the need. And immediately I would get triggered. And not that it's wrong to come with your friends or family with needs. Don't get me wrong there. Surely if my children need something or my friends need something, I do want them to come to me. But the thing was that immediately when someone would come to me with the need, immediately my body would go through a PTSD episode. Like I would be like, oh my God, like everything in my cells would start to react. We know what this is. This is going to be just like that one time that you helped your mom when she OD'd. This is what it's going to feel like. And I just started to, you know, work that thought pattern and self-talk through that. And it might've been just a simple question and no fault of theirs, you know, for asking me my fault and not recognizing that trigger and not saying, okay, this is, this is getting triggered. It, let me find out what this is and what this isn't, which requires you to be present with self and to be honest. Okay. Am I being triggered right now? And if I am, I need to be honest about it. Talk it out, create space. And then when you, when you, when you see it and you, you, you identified it, create space for it so that it can be acknowledged. Yeah. I'm feeling some kind of way about this. I'm feeling some kind of way and I need to acknowledge it. Right. I need to know that this is okay, that I'm having this feeling and let me sit back and watch it. So then you remove self right? You remove self from the situation. How do you do that? It's very fucking hard to explain, but it's like you're watching a movie. You know, you watch a scary movie and you're there and something happens scary. Something jumps out of you. The killer gets the victim and you're like, oh my gosh, your heart is racing, right? You're just, oh, and you're sweating and you're just, you're clutching to the chair and you're just like, oh, and you're worried about the future and you remember what they did to get there. Stupid girl, you shouldn't have went in that closet. And so you're, you're, you're acknowledging all this stuff, but you're watching it. You know that even though your emotions and your physicalness is being heightened, that you're not in danger because you're sitting there watching it, right? So you're not allowing that movie, that projection, that story to dictate to you and tell you you're in immediate danger. You're able to decipher. You're able to decipher because you're the spectator of what is going on. And so you watch it, but you allow it to have its space. You allow it to be there and do its thing, right? So giving it just even that, just even that small change could really, really produce some relieving results from the the, the heaviness, you know? I mean, I don't know. Try it and see. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not giving you medical advice. I'm not giving you therapy advice. I'm just telling you that these things have worked for me and maybe these are some things that could work for you. And know that we're always learning together because you know what? The emptiness, the emptiness may never be eliminated. The emptiness and the depression that you feel may never be eliminated. Although the experience, what it can do is it can be transformed. Okay. So maybe it shows up for you all the time. Maybe I'm traumatized every single time someone asks me for something or wants something or wants to be near me. I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I am, but I can use that energy because it's energy, right? It's a photon. I can use that energy and attach it to something else. And I attach it to boundaries. I attach it to a spectator's point of view. 
And I don't attach it to this is my life right now for real and I'm in danger. Because experiences of emptiness, sadness, and depression are a part of the fabric of being. It's a part of life. And only when we stop fighting our personal emptiness can we begin to appreciate that and and just giving it its space and know that we're all in this together. We're all freaking doing this together. Ain't nobody here in this entire face of the earth that I've ever met. That I've ever, not that I've met everybody on the face of the earth, but (laughs) everyone that I've ever met has had some battle with depression and sadness and anxiety and stress. Because remember, we are unified anyway. We are one. We are one entity. We are the universe. We are life itself. Okay, so if one suffers from depression, all suffer from depression. That's what I'm saying here. And you just learn, you learn to breathe into it. You know, you you learn or not. You cannot learn. I mean, it's really up to you. It's, I don't, you know, that's your life. It's your business. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. If you're depressed and you don't want to learn how to cope with it and you're going to take yourself down a rabbit hole of suicide or death, please do so without fucking everyone else up. <laughs> like, please do so because you, you're at peace, not do so because you're sad. Because when you're sad, then that tells me that you're, you're listening to the self-talk and the lie and the expectation. And you're trying to follow a model of life that doesn't fucking exist. Okay. That it's a lie, you know, whatever, take it for what it's worth. But I said what I said. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, and then again, learn to breathe through it because if this is going to be a part of your life every day, like learn to breathe through it. I remember being in, when I was in my yoga training school and I was learning, you know, getting my certification as a yoga instructor, man, there were so many people there that were suffering from depression. And, you know, it was, it was sad to see, you know, and I had just recently been divorced and I was just like, I'm here and I, this is like the happiest fucking day of my life. I love it. I am totally broke. I don't know what the next chapter is, but I'm leaving a toxic relationship, abusive relationship, and I couldn't be any happier. I probably can't even afford next month to pay this class, but I'm going to do what I can, <laughs> you know, all along while toting four kids along, you know, like responsibility, responsibility. But that was my optimistic view on it. But I had, you know, encountered so many people there that were suffering in depression and sadness. It really like struck me as, oh my goodness, this is really a thing that we're all experiencing at different times of our life, but we're experiencing it. And it was so sad. And a lot of them were young, way younger than me, 10 years younger than me. I just felt like the hopelessness there. And I really just wanted to hug every single one of them and tell them it it gets better. It will. But you know, you have to do the work. You have to got to want to do the work and learn these things like watching your life from a spectator's point of view, which gives you, relieves the pressure enough for you to possibly start doing the work and the steps, whichever combination that is for you. And one thing we learn in yoga class as we're getting into these different positions is you learn even when it's difficult, even when it hurts, we breathe into it, you know, breathe into it. They're always talking about breathe into it. And really, there's so many ways to look at that. Breathe into it. Breathe life into it. Breathe affirmations into it. Positivity into it. But actually just breath of life. Breath. Breathe. Breathe. The tough things are going to happen, but the growth is there. And so, you know what? Do a little experiment with me right now. Just do a little experiment. If you're, if you, if you're not driving and you can safely stand up, stand up wherever you're at. Stand up. If you're outside, then so what? Who cares, right? Let everyone see you. Stand up where you're at. Okay, you're standing. All right. So stand up, 
put your feet a little bit like, um, you know, shoulder width apart, just, just a natural stance, shoulder width apart. Okay. And then I just want you to focus on rooting through your feet to the floor. And as you inhale, raise your arms above your head and lift them high. And then as you exhale, waterfall your hands all the way down to the floor as far as you can for a forward fold. And maybe right now, some of you, your palms are on the floor, pressing through, feeling that energy, feeling that fire. But maybe your knees are super bent and your hands are dangling. Your fingertips are barely gracing the floor. Maybe some of you have your hands on your shins or on your knees, and you're starting to feel that uncomfortability, that uncomfortableness in your hamstrings, in your back, in your knees and the ankles that are supporting you. Take a moment to feel that. And then breathe. Hold it. Breathe. Breathe into it. And maybe it hurts. Maybe it's tough. Maybe you're feeling like this is never going to end. Maybe the pressure is too much. Maybe you think no one understands how it feels right now. You're the only one. But I promise you, if you breathe, eventually you're going to ease into it, giving it its space. And just watching, just watching, knowing that we're all here feeling the same discomfort and we're breathing. We're breathing through it and we're getting there together. Because that emptiness, it may never be eliminated. This may be the fabric of your life, but you can transform that energy and you can grow And we can grow together to where we're no longer suffering, but we're just spectators. Spectators watching a scary movie sometimes, but we know we're going to be okay. We know that we're going to get through this. This normal part of our existence that we all together are experiencing and our healing. Slowly rise to a full standing position and know that you are loved. Well, I thank you for listening to another episode of Infinite AF. I want you to know that I love you dearly, dearly, dearly. And that I cannot wait to come back next week and talk to you again. I hope you have a great day and thank you for learning to be infinite AF.
If you or anyone you know suffers from depression or suicidal thoughts, please have them call 1-800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline.